the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, March the 9th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On March 9, 1933, Congress called into a special session by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. They began their, what became known as their 100 days of enacting the New Deal legislation. Today in 1796, Napoleon Bonaparte married uh, Josephine Boharney, I think that's how you pronounce it. They were later divorced. Today in 1841, the U.S. Supreme Court in the United States versus the Amistad ruled 7-1 to in favor of a group of illegally enslaved Africans who were captured off the U.S. coast after seizing control of a Spanish schooner, La Amistad. The justices ruled that the Africans should be set free. Let me just give you a 30-second background on that. The abolitionists had enlisted former U.S. President John Quincy Adams to represent the Amistad captives and petition for their freedom. John Quincy Adams, the son of John Adams, our second president, had been the sixth president of the United States, 1825 to 1829. He had also served as the eighth U.S. Secretary of State. But he committed his life. At that time, he was 73 years old and had returned to Congress and been elected from Massachusetts because he was very active in the abolition movement. He didn't feel that there should be slaves. He believed that deeply. I think I mentioned this. There's, I could talk an hour on this. I'm very passionate about it. It wasn't only John Adams and his son, John Quincy Adams, both former presidents of the United States, but others from the very beginning of this nation. We hear about the fact, well, George Washington had slaves. Well, he did. So did Martha, his, his wife, her, from a very wealthy family. But I want to tell you, within that fabric, there was a, a, a spiritual sense among most all of our leaders that we're saying this this isn't right. We need to get out of this. We need to stop. And if you follow the thread through the early history of the United States, it 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 so much slaps the face of this nonsense about America being founded in 1619 when the first slave ship arrived. Yes, there were slaves. Of course, there were. But there is a there was a movement that is never mentioned. It's canceled because it doesn't fit the narrative of the critical race theory and the people who hate America more than they hate slavery and are trying to destroy America because we are the participants, the enablers of an unpardonable sin. It's just not as it appears. And I there's not a racist bone in my body and if you don't know me you don't know that but those who know me know that's that's I've spent 
I can't tell you how much time I've spent with Africans in Africa. And I've had black friends here in America my whole life. But I will tell you, this whole thing is so perverted. And it's perverted because people have motivations that are other than what they say they have. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about truth and trust and motivations today. We'll come back to that in a moment. Anyway, I could say much more about the Adams family. They were good. In fact, John Adams, just one more thing. I got to tell you this. It'll make me feel better, even if it doesn't help you. I think it will. John Adams read the Bible through every year. He taught his son, John Quincy Adams, to do the same. And John Quincy Adams read the Bible through. This was before there were any programs that were put out by ministries to help you read through the Bible in a year. I mean, there's a lot of those out there now. But they were doing it, and they were teaching it in their family. John and Abigail taught their son to read through the Bible, and he did that the rest of his life. While he was president, while he was secretary of state, while he was a lawyer defending enslaved people, not enslaved by the United States, but by Spain, and so on. There is a good thread that runs through the very early years of America. Today, in 1945, during World War II, U.S. B-29 bombers began launching incendiary bombs against Tokyo, resulting in an estimated 100,000 deaths. Today, in 1987, Chrysler Corporation announced it had agreed to buy the financially ailing American Motors Corporation. Remember the Nash? The Rambler? My dad bought a Rambler once, and he really liked it about the first few months that he owned it, and then he got quiet. And I asked him one day, I said, how, how are you liking your Rambler? Not so good. He was having problems. Anyway, today in 1989, the Senate rejected President George H.W. Bush's nomination of John Tower to be Defense Secretary by a vote of 53 to 47. The next day, Bush tapped Wyoming Representative Dick Cheney he went on to win a unanimous Senate approval and would later become vice president, as you know, with George W. Bush. One year ago today, Buckingham Palace said allegations of racism made earlier in the week by Prince Harry and Meghan from North Hollywood, the, du the Duchess of Sussex, were concerning and they would be addressed privately by the royal family. There's a familiar verse, often quoted. Most of us have memorized it. I want to give you that verse today as a basis for what I want to talk to you about a little bit today. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I want to talk to you a little bit today about who do you trust? About the relationship between trust and truth. Have you noticed that anything the left, the so-called progressive, disagree with is immediately labeled misinformation? Of course you have. We've all noticed that. Last week, Biden's Surgeon General formally requested that the major tech platforms, you know them, Twitter, Facebook, so on, he asked, 
He couldn't demand, but he asked, and of course they will comply. He asked that the platform submit in information about the scale of COVID-19 misinformation on the social networks, on search engines, on crowdsourced platforms, on e-commerce platforms, and instant messaging systems. In other words, he wants it all. While Biden invades Ukraine, or Putin, I mean, Biden is invading freedom of speech and thought in America. Let's take a look at that, a little closer look. And I, I know some of you, in fact, I've heard from some of you saying, man, I don't know what to believe about all this stuff going on in Ukraine and Russia and, and, and all of the other activities going on here in the United States. There's so much untruth out there, and yet the people that are telling the untruths are at the same time championing the idea of being trustworthy. In other words, canceling anybody that disagrees with them, whether it's Fauci, he said, if you if you disagree with me, remember Dr. Fauci, he said, Where, have you noticed he's been visibly absent the last while? He's still on the payroll, I checked, I was just curious. But I wonder, I guess he's resting up from all of the difficulties he's faced, like Donald Trump and all this kind of thing over the last few years. Anyway, the people, Fauci said, if you if you don't believe me, you don't believe in science. He said, if you reject what I'm telling you, you're rejecting science. Pretty bold statement for a, a guy, but he made that statement, and I believe he meant it. The government's Big Brother-style crusade is well underway. They seek more and more control over what gets posted, what gets out there to us little people, and what does not. What is believed by the public and what is not believed by the public is decided by people in power in that kind of a situation, and that's what we have here. It isn't just about Chinese COVID-19. It's about every part of our life. Now it includes the Russian invasion of Ukraine. What can you believe? What can you not believe? What is truth regarding Ukraine, regarding, regarding COVID, regarding whatever, the budget, the plans, even what our kids are being taught in school? We're told one thing, then we find out it's very different than that. Lying has become a tool rather than a vice or a sin. Lying is just another tool, and that, of course, was put forth by Marx. That's pure Marxism. It doesn't matter if what you say is true or not. What matters is the noble end to which you can achieve. The no, the, the end with progressivism and, and Marxism, which are first cousins, the end is so noble that it justifies any means, including lying. And if you're in a powerful position, your lies have a great deal of impact. So what is the truth regarding, say, COVID, for example? Biden's Sur Surgeon General, he's requesting all this information. He'll get it. I mean, that's an amazing amount of information about people, not just anonymous people, but names. I mean, if he wants it. 
Last Thursday, the New York Times published this. Let me share it with you. It said They also caught what I just shared with you. President Biden's, I'm quoting the New York Times last week, last Thursday, in fact. President Biden's Surgeon General on Thursday formally requested that the, the uh, major tech platforms submit information about the scale of COVID-19 misinformation on the social networks, search engines, crowdsource, uh, e-commerce platforms, instant messages, everything. A request for information from the Surgeon General's office demanded that tech uh, platforms send data and analysis on the prevalence of COVID-19 misinformation on their sites, starting with common examples of vaccine misinformation documented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC. The notice asks, I'm, I'm quoting the New York Times still, the notice asks the companies to submit, quote, exactly how many users saw and may have been exposed to instances of COVID-19 misinformation, as well as aggregate data on demographics that may have been disproportionately exposed to or affected by the misinformation. In other words, they're trying to track down who put misinformation out there, and then they're going to track down what negative effect it had on what people. I mean, this is drilling pretty deep. If you have any inclination toward freedom and freedom of speech, and I hope we do, I do, you do. The request follows on the heels of this and of an advisory is what they're calling it, released last July in which sur- uh, the Surgeon General is Vivek Murthy uh, is his name. Uh, it's about misinformation, and he says in this thing, and I have a copy of it, uh, he says, Misinformation can cause confusion, so distress, uh, distrust, and undermine public health efforts, including our ongoing work to end the COVID-19 pandemic. So again, if you're putting out misinformation, and misinformation is whatever they say is not true. If you're putting that out there, you are hindering, even as you are rejecting science, if you reject Fauci, if you put out something other than what the government is saying, CDC or whomever, in this case it's Vivek Murthy, the Surgeon General, if you put out something other than that on the me, he wants to know about it because you are hindering hindering the end, the ongoing work to end COVID-19 pandemic. In other words, you become part of the problem of the pandemic. In fact, you become part of the cause that people are dying because of the pandemic because of your misinformation. This 22-page advisory, I I linked it in a story that I wrote today, an article that I wrote today on our website, faithandfreedom.us. You might take a look at that. You can follow several of the sources that I've drawn from on the article I wrote, which is part of what I'm talking about right now. But this 22-page advisory, it details how individuals, families, communities, educators, educational institutions, health professionals, health organizations, journalists, media organizations, tech platform researchers, research institutions, funders, foundations, and government can help advance truth in regard to COVID. And each one of those that I read off, those individual groups or organization groups and whatever, each one of those has a part of this 
Confronting Health Misinformation, it's called, this advisory guide. And they go into great detail, and then I can't do it on this program. We don't have enough time. But, but I don't think it's necessary except to say that in each of all of those institutions and, and organizations that I just mentioned, they tell you in detail how to go into that and help dispel misinformation. And again, misinformation in this context is whatever they, whatever they say that you don't believe. I mean, it's an amazing when you just kind of turn on the light and step back and you don't overthink it, it's kind of an amazing thing. I mean, are we really here in America? I wish we weren't. Douglas Blair, he's writing for the Daily Signal. He got a hold of that. They're an arm of the uh, Heritage Foundation. He got a hold of that yesterday as well. And he noted that the term misinformation has become a bit of a catch-all in the COVID-19 era. Well, it has. He's right. It certainly can't apply to actual untruths, and there are untruths out there. Of course there are. There have always been. That's why the Bible is full of of admonitions and and warnings. Be careful. Don't be misled. Paul wrote to the Roman church, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. I mean, people have been getting confused from the beginning of time. In fact, sin entered the human race by virtue of a woman being confused. She suddenly started listening to a serpent instead of to God. You say, well, how can you do that? Well, that must be fairly easy because we have all been seduced in our thinking at one time or another. She certainly was. So Blair says, He said it's become kind of a catch-all for the COVID-19 era. It certainly can't apply to actual truth, but far more frequently, he writes, the term is weaponized against ideas the powers that be don't like. And that's exactly right. That's my point. These activities, then, are all for the common good. In other words, don't mess up the common good. Don't impede our our progress in trying to take care of and rid ourselves of this virus in the case of COVID. Remember the Wuhan lab? It's kind of, it's not a parallel and I'm not trying to make a parallel, but, but I mean, deception has always been at the beginning of something bad, whether it was Eve or whether it was this virus. Remember he uses the example Blair does in his article. It's a very good article. He uses the example of the Wuhan lab and the, origination of the virus. He said when the virus was first identified, it was identified as the Wuhan virus. And it was. Remember when they first started talking about it? That person, I think it was a woman, got first got the disease in, uh, in Seattle, actually on the east side. And um, it was Kirkland or, or uh, Bothell, somewhere right in there, in that nursing home. And so when we first started hearing about it, the press, ABC, NBC, all the big boys, were saying, uh, we're calling it Wuhan virus, because that's what we have always done. But oh no, that couldn't be. When the virus was first identified, it was identified as where it had come from, as the Nile, the Zika, all of these other viruses have always been identified as their origin. This was connected to Wuhan, China. When people started suggesting the two were linked, 
the response from the health authorities and the corporate media was instantaneous. Certainly it was from China, but let's forget China for a moment and look at our own people, our elected public servants. The hypothesis was blasted as a racist conspiracy, and anyone who tried to disseminate it was quickly labeled a fringe, a kook. They were censored entirely on social media. Remember when Trump mentioned a couple of, you know, medications that could help? They were suddenly became the enemy. Now we're finding out that maybe they do are helpful, and they've been around forever, and they cost pennies, not thousands of dollars fast forward a year remember in february of 2020 facebook banned an article from the new york post claiming covid19 could have leaked from a lab they banned it the new york post is the oldest continuously in business newspaper in america alexander hamilton helped found that newspaper but no, they they weren't saying the right thing. They were opposing truth. They were disseminating misinformation. That was 2020 in February. Fast forward a year to February 2021, a year ago. Suddenly the lab leak was no longer misinformation worthy of exile from the Internet, although many had been. The same outlets... The same experts who had gone to great lengths to smear anyone who dared to go against their medical decrees were suddenly advancing a new and different truth. This strategy no longer was limited to COVID, however. As the pandemic dragged on, and as it has, and all that goes with it, the government and big tech used the label misinformation to ban outlets or other ideas they disagreed with or simply disliked. With Trump, it was a matter of dislike. It was hatred. But they sought to destroy him and anything that he suggested. They tried to eliminate it, erase it, cancel it, attack it, and finally label it as misinformation. They've had great success with that strategy. They've labeled a lot of people. And the public, the uninformed public, has sat by and said, Hmm, I didn't know that about him or her. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is the new ground zero for this misinformation. In fact, so much so that it's so pervasive that the University of Washington Center for Informed Public has published an article to guide and inform the public as to how they can escape the misinformation and stand in the light of real truth, the University of Washington's truth. It's not a bad, I read the whole thing. It's not a bad article. Honestly, they say a few good things in there. But what is their motivation? I don't know for sure, but it feels like it's leaning towards shoring up the leftist ideology, and you don't have to look far at the University of Washington or any other such university to find left-leaning ideas and ideologies. But they begin with this, the UW begins with this, a rapidly unfolding conflict like Russia's invasion of Ukraine, like so many other crisis events, comes with considerable uncertainty. Rumors and misinformation, which feed off the fog of war, thrive on uncertainty. On top of that, considering the history of this conflict and the countries involved, and in particular the active measures playbook of Russia, we can expect an effort to manipulate the collective sense-making process for political purposes. And they say this, 
That includes strategically shaping the information space to Russia's benefit, including using gray propaganda websites, inauthentic social media accounts, and unwitting agents to spread disinformation while confusing, deflecting, distracting, and demoralizing information consumers. End of quote. The article then goes on to suggest, among other things, that the information consumers put out uh, as news in the context by using the SIFT, that's an acronym, S-I-F-T, that they, the University of Washington has come up with. And they're saying use the SIFT method. S for stop, investigate the source. Um, or I for investigate the source. F for find better coverage. And T, S-I-F-T. T is for uh, trace claims, quotes, and media to the original context. So that's their response to misinformation. It's not a bad idea. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I do it every day, exactly what they're suggesting here. We drill into a lot of things. But among their 13 bullet points, they instruct the reader to, one, be wary of unfamiliar accounts. There is some value in that. But does that mean only trust known sources like NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, etc.? They're not saying that, but are they implying that? University of Washington's last section in their article is titled, titled Understanding Motivations, and that's what I want to leave you with today. Once censorship becomes a common strategy against perceived misinformation, free speech is effectively dead. Don't like what your political opposition is saying? Label it as misinformation, ban it, cancel them, move on. They're dead, they're gone. No, nobody believes them, whom, whoever them are. Don't like the biblical message your pastor is preaching from the pulpit or some other pastor is preaching from the pulpit? Maybe it's from Romans chapter 1. It's about human sexuality. We can't have that. That's hate speech. Label it racist. Label it hate speech. Have him jailed, dragged across the street, fined, canceled. It's already happened in Canada. Will it happen here? It could because... We can't have misinformation, and that is misinformation. We understand that the Bible means a lot to a lot of people, and they hold it as truth and so on, but we live in an enlightened time now. We live in a progressive time. We can't say that homosexuality is sin, for goodness sakes. How can you do that? That's cruel. That's hate speech. That's where this goes. Most censorous tyrants cloak their actions and words in the name of public safety or greater good or fairness, inclusion, even compassion. You don't have compassion. Don't tell me you're a Christian if you don't have compassion for these people. We respond, we do have compassion. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe can be saved. No, you don't. You don't have compassion or you would affirm their actions. That's where all this is going. It's pretty hard to separate all the, out all this stuff, but we can do it if we keep our hearts and our minds directed toward the Lord. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Keep that in mind. Keep your heart and your mind toward the Lord. And that is the way through the darkness of deception. And we live in an era of deception. And it is dark. 
But the hope is that we know the truth. Jesus Christ himself is the truth. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.